God is good to us, isn't he? Yeah. Giving us beautiful weather this morning. I am very thankful for that. And I know there's some places over there on the East Coast that aren't getting so much beautiful weather today. So thankful for good weather this morning. And uh, John chapter number 5, John chapter 5, we're going to read from there this morning. And it'll be our first Sunday in John 5. And look at this story here of this man who was in need and uh, the Lord came by. And I'm very thankful uh, the day the Lord came by for Amen. me and saved me. And so we're going to look at this story. Uh, many people would call him the impotent man. Uh, the Bible calls him uh, the a man with an, with an infirmity. But uh, the infirmity, or what you would say, the uh, impotent man. Impotent actually means uh, to be weak. Uh, feeble, uh, wanting strength. Uh, a man with an infirmity is someone who is uh, unsound as far as his, uh, his, uh, his health goes or unhealthy. So kind of, uh, and feeble is what that word means. So they kind of mean the same thing. So a lot of people would call him what the impotent man, but ultimately he was an unhealthy man. And it had been that way for some time. So we're going to read here in John chapter number 5. We'll read the first ten, uh, nine verses together this morning. So if you have your Bible, let's all stand if you can. And let's read in verse number 1. In John chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, after this, after what? What had taken place in John chapter 4. All the things that God did uh, after he healed the nobleman's son. So after this is when it took place. After that took place. There was a feast of the Jews, and the Jew, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, and withered, uh, waiting for the moving of the water. There's that word impotent. That's where the word impotent comes into play. Uh, with this, which means weak or feeble, uh, someone wanting strength. So they wanted to they wanted to get close to this water, the pool of Bethesda. And there's the reason why, verse number four. For an angel went down at the certain at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease, whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man who was there, was there, uh, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he, would, he had been now a long time in that case, he, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, what does he say? He says, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but when I am coming, another steppeth before up me. Jesus. And 
immediately. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on this, on the same day, was the Sabbath. Now, we'll talk about that next week, but they get all upset at him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. But I want to focus in on this story here, how Jesus took the lame man, this man who, was, uh, who had been sick, this man who was unhealthy, this man who had an infirmity, and he healed him. Amen. And I want to talk about that. When Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, he picked up his bed and he walked. Yeah. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we've come to you a couple times this morning praying. But Lord, I, I want to pray right now that your hand would be about this service. Yes. Lord, I pray for the children as they're being taught this morning, but I also pray for us this morning, right now. Fill me with your words. Use me this morning as you would only want me to say the words that you want me to say. Lord, I pray that if there's one in here that has doubt about whether they go to heaven, I pray that they would get that settled this morning. Yes. We love you, Father, for all that you've done. And in Jesus' name we pray. Now, just, just by way of introduction, and we'll get our way in here. Well, notice in verse number one, after this, it takes place after the healing of the nobleman's son, but it also takes place at a certain time of the year. Uh, the Bible says in verse number one that there was a feast taking place in Jerusalem, and uh, that, that feast had to be one of the major religious feasts to prompt Christ to travel that far to attend. Most believe that it quite possibly was the Passover feast, but there's no way to for certain know one way or the other, but it was a feast enough to get Jesus to travel to Jerusalem. So there he was. So let's look, let's look here. He's in Jerusalem. He's there at the pool. Also, let's look at the pool. We see it in this verse and in, in verse number two. He says, Now in Jerusalem there's a there's a sheep market, and by the sheep market there's this pool. And what uh, is to believe that this this pool was by a, a sheep gate. And uh, by the sheep gate, there was a pool. And uh, by this pool, there were five porches where people could sit under. And they were all sitting there waiting for the water to be touched. And what was taking place was there was an angel in verse number four that was coming down and touching the water every so often. The Bible says he went down at a certain season. So don't know exactly what season the angel would come down and touch the water, but the angel would come down and touch the water, and whoever was in the water first would be healed. And so this man who had been sick for 38 years, now that's a long time to be sick. That's a long time to deal with an infirmity. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily that he was lame. And it wasn't necessarily that he was that he was blind, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't deaf. Those were not his infirmities. His infirmity was that he was weak and feeble, and he couldn't take care of himself. And so he there he sat at the pool of Bethesda 
for years and years waiting for the time to get in the water. As the water was stirred, people would jump in, hoping to be the first one in. And when they would jump in, they would be healed. And the Bible says in verse number three, you say, how many was there at the pool? There was a multitude, a multitude of great, a, a great multitude. How many is a great multitude? More than five or more than ten. It was a, it was a huge, it was a huge amount of people. You say, how do you know? Because there were five porches and they filled up the lot. Yeah. These impotent folks, these blind people, these sick people, we're gathered around the pool waiting for their time. Can you imagine with me just for a moment? Imagine with me as you would walk up to this water. I don't know if you've ever been to a beach and it's been covered with people. You ever been to a beach and it's been covered with people? <laughs> and they're all waiting to get in the water. Some are in the water. But there they are, this little pool, this pool of Bethesda. All these people that were waiting by the water crowded. Maybe even maybe even more than one deep. But you got those who had been sitting by that water for years and years, and they weren't giving up their spot because they were closest to the water. And it was crowded. And there he sat, and, and Jesus asked him, he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm waiting to get in the water. But see, what I'm telling you is, that when the water gets stirred, he said, I tried to get in there, but before I could get in there, somebody always beats me in the water. So the circumstances of this event was that man, he needed help. He needed that, that, that all this water, he was there at the pool of Bethesda, all these people were there, and he needed help. He needed help. That many that were around him needed them. There was a great multitude. The word Bethesda actually means like house of mercy or house of pity is what the word Bethesda actually means. All these people crowded around trying to get in the water. Healing power was in the pool just for a short minute. We see the circumstance number two. We see the case. What's this case? This case, the case which Jesus Christ healed was a serious case. As with many other miracles that Jesus did, the seriousness of this case showed the power of Christ in healing this man. Christ did not heal uh, other minor cases as so many so-called healers will do in our day. Rather, he especially delighted Excuse me. In the most difficult cases, the more difficult the case, the more it showed Christ's power. There he was. How difficult was this case? This man had been sick for 38 years. Right. You look at somebody and, and look, I, you, you and I know. If you've ever been around somebody that's sick, somebody that's bedridden, can you imagine someone being bedridden for 38 years? Can you imagine being in the bed? Can you imagine being withered? Can you imagine not being able to move? Can you imagine his case? 38 years he'd been sick. 38 years he was sick. He had this infirmity. Doesn't say that he was necessarily born with this infirmity, but we know that it was 38 years. 
That's a long time, isn't it? Hey. Mm. But I want to show you something. His case was bad. He had been long in that in that cave, in that situation, but there was someone who knew about his situation. That was Jesus. Look at verse number six. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time. Jesus knew that he had been in that case for a long time. You say, you, now, you say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm saying this, uh, is that there are times when we think that we're all alone and nobody knows what we're going through and nobody knows what we've been through and nobody knows our infirmity and nobody knows what we're, what we're, what we're faced with and the, and, the, and the giant we're faced with and the wall we're up against and the mountain we're trying to climb. But there is somebody who does know our case. There is somebody who does understand. There is somebody who can come to us. And he came to this important man. He came to him when he was at the pool of Bethesda. He came to him when he was at his greatest need. He came to him when he had been there for 38 years. And there was nobody else to help him. But Jesus came to him. And I'm very glad to tell you that I am thankful that Jesus came to me. And he sought me out. And he asked me to come to him just as much when he came to that man. He came to the important man. He came to him and knew where he was. There's a song that says, He knows my name. Look, I'll tell you what, he knows how many hairs on top of my head. There may not be very many, but he knows. Amen. Amen. He knows my name. Don't laugh at me. Hey, hey, now, that's my joke. Don't you laugh. Look, he knows who I am. He knows where I am. He knows my case. He knows how desperate I am. He knows the infirmity. He knows the difficulty. He knows the giant. He knows the wall. He knows the, the thing that I face. Yes. And Jesus yes. Christ knows it. Come on. Yes. yes. There's nothing in this world that he does not know what's going on. That's right. Hmm? Hallelujah. Now I ask you, now, now some, may, some may ask, well, why did Christ choose not to heal all of the needy out there. But that is the wrong question to ask. The right question is, why did Jesus Christ heal anyone at the pool? You say, what do you mean? The question is not, why does God send people to hell, but why does God go to so much trouble to save the unworthy sinner? Why did God go to so much trouble just to save that important man? Why did God go to so much trouble to save me? Yes. Yes. Why did God so much trouble? Why did God go to so much trouble to save you? Amen. Because every person is important to him. Yes. There's not one person in this world. There's not one. There's not one person in this world that their life doesn't matter. Right. Right. It all matters to him. Amen. And he knows. But he wasn't done. He needed to talk to him. We understand his case, 38 years. But he wanted to know where he was at. He wanted to understand if this man really could use the healing of God. Yes. You say, why? can anybody use the healing of God? They can. But he asked him a question. In verse number 6, he says, Wilt thou be made whole? You know what he's asking him? 
Can't you get in the water? Yeah. I mean, you, you ought to be able to get in the water. It's going to get stirred. Jesus says, well, can't you get in there by yourself? And the man answered him, sir, I have no man. Yeah. What does that mean? Nobody's there to help me. See, Jesus, I want in that water. Yeah. I want to be healed. See, Jesus wanted to make sure that he wasn't enjoying just being, I everybody take pity on me. Right. Look at how sick I am. Everybody take pity on me. He wanted to make sure that he wanted to be healed. And that man says, Jesus, look, I get there, but I don't have anybody to help me get in that water. Can you imagine being in his case and you needed help? Help was three inches away and you don't have any help to get it. Yeah. Just right over that ledge. But he couldn't get it because nobody was there to help him. How many people are in this world that they take it if you'd help them? Yeah. What do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean, they take the gospel if you give it. Yes. Help us, Lord. Yes. Get in that water. That's right. Jesus said, okay, well, that answers my question. We see the case. Yes. We see the circumstance. Yes. And lastly, we see the cure. The problem that kept the man from getting healed was not his desire, but it was his difficult circumstance that kept him from getting the cure. Number three, verse number eight. Jesus looks at him. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Amen. Now, this is the cure. All right, buddy. You've been laying there for 38 years. You've been laying in that bed, not necessarily that exact bed, not exactly that same spot, but you've been laying down, you haven't been able to move, and everybody's having to take care of you, and everybody's having to care for you, but I want you, sir, I want you to get up and walk out of here. Yeah. Now, to me, I'm sitting here going, how am I going to do that? I can't even get in the water much less get up and take my bed somewhere. But Jesus said, get up. Not only do I want you to get up, but pick your bed up and get out of here. Right. Come on. Now, if that doesn't do something for you, there's something wrong. Amen. Jesus walked by and he said, rise up and walk. Yeah. So what does that man do? And that next verse, in verse number nine, and immediately. Yeah. You know what that means? It was the next day, right? No. You know what that means? It happened the next year. No. no, that means Jesus looked at him. He said, hey, get up. Get that bed of yours and go walk him. That, that man looked. He said, I, I'm out of here. He said, I'm leaving this joint. I'm not hanging out here at the pool of Bethesda. I don't need it anymore. He said, I'm picking that bed up and I'm getting out of here. The moment that Jesus set him free, the moment that Jesus said, pick that bed up, he picked that bed up and he took off walking. Now, if just me, I, I may be interpreting, maybe adding a couple words, but I think he took off running. I think he had that bed. He said, I got to get out of this place. And he took off running. I got to go tell my mama. I got to go tell.
tell my dad. I gotta go tell my uncle and my aunts and my cousins and my nieces and my nephews what Jesus did for me. There I was sitting on the bed. There I was uh, having infirmity for 38 years. I'll take my bed and I'm out of here. Amen. Right. Hallelujah. Whenever there's a cure, though, there's always a command. Yeah. You know what the cure is? Right now, in this world, everybody's looking for the cure for the coronavirus. We need a cure. You know what the cure is? Not for the coronavirus, but do you know what the cure is for sin? Jesus Christ. Jesus. I'm telling you that the only cure for this world in sin is Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. When Jesus spoke to that man that day, he said, get your bed up and you get out of here. Yes. Rise and take thy bed and walk. Why is it that we hear those same words and we won't we won't listen. What does he say? Romans 10, 13 says, mm-hmm. Come on, for who? So ever. Who's that talking to? That's talking to the halt and the lame and the blind and the dumb and those that have infirmities and those that are well and those that have money and those that are poor and those that are wretched and those that are on the street yeah. and those that are streetwalkers and those who are drunkards and those who are way away from God. He said, for whosoever shall come upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the cure. You want the cure? Call on his name and he'll save you. That's the cure for your sin. Cure for death. Cure for hell. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus only that will save us. You don't understand the mountain I'm climbing. I may not. But he does. Well, I don't have the answer for the cure for your mountain. I don't have the answer for the cure for your valley. I don't have the answer for the cure for your difficult time and your struggles and your life heartbreaks and all the things that are wrong. But there is somebody who has the cure. And there is somebody who has the answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I've got it. I've got this under control. No, sir, I don't. Take heed lest you fall. Yes. Jesus said, get your bed up and walk. We see the command that he gave him. She the cure. Gave him a command, an order. But then, look at that obedience. You realize the crippled man has no power whatever, to rise and take his bed. Do you realize that he did not have the power to pick his bed up and walk? Do you realize that he 
had tried before and he couldn't do it. He tried to get to the pool of Bethesda and he couldn't do it. But Jesus gave him the power to walk. Jesus gave him the power to rise. Yes. Jesus gave him the power to carry his bed. Yes. What did he ask him when he needed to get in the pool? He said, I'm sorry. I have no man who will help me get me there. When Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk, he said, okay. He picked up his bed and he walked. Who became that man for the impotent man? Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter what struggle, no matter what battle, whether it is you need to get saved and Jesus needs to be the cure, or whether it is a struggle, yes. whether it is depression, whether it is disheartening, whether you've been heartbroken, maybe somebody's hurt you. I don't know what it is, but that cure is only Jesus Christ. Yes. The only one that can help you get through it. Only one to go through that difficulty. So I ask you, you had the cure? Hey. I have the cure. Yes. It's Jesus. Yes. You have the cure? Yes. Yes. He knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. That's right. He knows your mistakes, your heartache, things that's messed up in your life. He knows it. And he still loves you. Amen. He still loves you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray, dear Lord, that you've used me in spite of me. Lord, I also ask that if there's one in here this morning that does not know you, Lord, I pray that they would get that settled. Lord, I also ask that you would deal with Christians in this room. They need to give their case to the Lord. Yeah. They're hanging on to that situation that they struggle to win. So Lord, I pray that they would trust you for it. Lord, I love you. I thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for saving me in spite of me. Lord, I love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Let me just ask you a couple simple questions this morning. You say, Brother Trent, I'm sitting here this morning, and I know that I know. There is no doubt in my mind I'm going to heaven when I die. So that's me. Just put your hand up. Your hand down. Thank you so much. I think every hand was raised in the morning. Not for sure. Let me ask one more question. You say, Brother Trent, I'm sitting here this morning. I don't know. I can go to heaven this morning. I'm not for sure, but... I'd like you to pray for me. Like that this morning. This is Brother Trenton. I'd like you to pray for me. I know I'm not 100. percent Just put your hand up. Put your hand down. Thank you. You say, Brother Trenton, I'm a Christian this morning, and I have a case that I won't give to God. I have a case that I need to give to God. I have something that, whatever it is, that He's the answer for it. You say, Brother Trenton, would you pray for me about this certain thing? Would you put your hand up? Hands up all over the room. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time to pray, a time to spend time with God this morning. So if God has spoke to your heart,